This is the Runtime FM Podcast. Tech moves fast. Web development moves fast. And we're up to the very second every single day. Let's do it. This is Runtime FM. And now your hosts, Otis Sutton and Case Eden. Today I wanted to talk about uh, rendering techniques, sort of what they are, when to use them, uh, the pros and cons surrounding them, uh, frameworks that optimize for particular rendering techniques, frameworks that optimize for multiple rendering techniques. Uh, There's an emergence of a hybrid model that's sort of picking up traction. I want to talk a little bit about that, I'm a little bit fuzzy on sort of the real technical implementation there. So it'll be sort of a high level overview. Uh, Deployment and costing, V8 isolates, so that's just uh, D9 Cloudflare workers. Oh, And yeah, there's a a few that are built with those in mind and there's a few that aren't. So it's sort of important to sort of talk about what you can use and where, and then just long-term maintainability. So the first thing to cover is, is what are they? So there are, there are, there are a ton of acronyms around this stuff. <laughs> yeah, when you sent it to me, I kind of had a bit of like, a, oh, should have, I've been out of the game that long. But Googling it like and getting a bit of like a, hey, this is what it is, it's like, okay, I know the technique, but not the fancy, you know, five-letter yeah, acronym. Yeah, and I, even the, the four acronyms I picked, there's actually multiple meaning uh, yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. so I, I just sort of picked the four that are the, the four I've heard the most. And one I didn't really even want to include, but I decided I would. To sort of give it that coverage so we have ssr which is server-side rendered we have isr which is incremental server rendered or incremental static rendered uh we have ssg which is static site generated uh and we have csr which is client-side rendered um and there is definitely some crossover uh between the four. yeah well yeah. One, one of them that i'm struggling to find the real difference between is you know server-side rendering and incremental static generation because I mean, if you're just generating the page kind of server side and sending it when it's requested is that not just the same thing yeah so basically isr could be classified well i, I don't want to say that because some people take offense but it could really be classified as a caching strategy uh oh, okay one framework in particular have been a little bit snipey with some of the other frameworks about isr being a waste of time and actually if you're just correctly using cache headers you wouldn't need it um, ah, okay yeah so essentially what it is is it's like i if i'm hitting a page that hasn't been hit in the last five minutes i'm going to get served fresh content yeah uh, and that content's going to be cached and if you visit that page within the next five minutes you're going to see that cached content uh, so it's like a way to reduce load, but still be relatively dynamic, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that is odd, though, that it's like classified as its own technique, and I totally get why people would be pissy, because that just sounds like SSR with, yeah, some, some cases. Yeah, like and I think often when I have seen ISR implementations, they are almost a hotfix over a situation where you can't cache if that makes sense so it's almost addressing the symptom and not the cause yeah uh, and that's sort of i think that's why people sort of get a bit iffy with that one but i did and that was the one that i actually didn't want to include so uh, that was the yeah. one that i was like oh do i want to yeah. talk about this but i thought it's important because because it, there are frameworks using it and there are frameworks that will talk about isr so i thought it's an important thing for people to be aware of even if it's not something i would necessarily recommend yeah yeah cool so We've kind of explained ISR, but I'll, I'll quickly cover <laughs> yeah. the other ones. So SSR is server-side rendered. That is what every website was 15 years ago. Um, so your PHP, uh, your like old-school Node, Ruby on Rails, although modern Ruby is a bit different now, but all of those sites were uh, server-side rendered. Sometimes they'll be referred to as MPAs as well, which is multi-page application, uh, similar to the way you have SPAs, single-page mm. application. Uh, but I think more often than not people have sort of standardized on ssr nowadays and there is some nuance to ssr that we will go into so i think that's sort of why people refer it but essentially what it means is your markup 
is the first run is rendered on the server and that's sent to the client so the client the time to first paint is a lot faster because it's it's receiving real html and then it sends the javascript bundle over and it goes through the step known as hydration uh, and that's basically you can think of that as marrying up the framework react view whatever to the existing html that the server sent over and then and then the javascript sort of kicks in and takes over from there um, so it's really it's really a performance strategy uh, it's it's much faster to do things on your server than on your user's device usually so it's a it's a way to sort of improve that performance especially that time to first paint which is the the metric that people really care about uh, isr as we said similar uh, you can think of it as ssr with caching really so instead of rendering the page uh, and, and doing the database queries and hitting APIs on every time a user visits, you sort of do it every five minutes, cache that content, and then keep serving that until whatever your threshold is has expired, and then you do it again. SSG is static site generation. The reason this is different from CSR, client-side uh, rendering, I'll talk about in a second, but basically static site generation is when you render your HTML at build time. So you can build your app using something like React, uh, Vue, whatever. Uh, often SSG is used quite heavily for sites that are powered by Markdown, so blogs, uh, documentation sites, things like that. And then you'll have some sort of CI/CD process that will take in that code, uh, render it as HTML, and then spit out built HTML. And then you will just upload that to a CDN somewhere. You don't need a server, uh, so it's very, very cheap and very, very fast. But it's sort of in the name; it's very static. You know, like it's 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 really not for dynamic content, but it works great <coughs> for content-heavy applications. Mm. And then the last one is CSR. And this is when you do all of your rendering on the client. So you have a React app. You might have an index.html file that has like a div with the ID of root. And you mount the React app on that. They, when the user hits their page, they get that very small HTML file. The JavaScript is requested. The JavaScript loads in. And then your app kicks off. Uh, these are also called single page applications. Uh, they were huge about five years ago. Uh, there are definitely some pros and cons to them and I sort of want to dive in deep there. The difference between a single page application and a static site generated is the fact that a single page uh, or a CSR application can be dynamic. It can request data dynamically, uh, but it, it comes at a cost because you do everything in your uh, user's browser. Uh, so if they have a flaky connection or if they're on a low-powered device, they can really feel the impact. And that is why it's a strategy that we are slowly moving away from, but it still definitely has a use case. And those are sort of something I want to talk about today. Mm. Did you have anything you wanted to add or any questions? Um, yeah, that's a good point with the CSR versus SSG. And I think in, in my head I was thinking of it as, you know, for static statically generated sites you kind of build it and then deploy the built files somewhere mm. and users accesses it nice awesome but CSR SPA is almost the opposite where sure you're, you're deploying you know built files but you deploy those and then when it gets pulled down by the user then it builds itself and yes. that's where like the yeah the, the time is on the, the client's machine instead of on yours but, yes um, and people definitely blur the lines there like you will have applications where they might pre-render all their markdown but then like you might have like a like a twitter widget or a chat widget and that would all be client-side rendered so yeah. they sort of while we got today we're going to talk about them as individual things you can absolutely blend them yeah. together and people do blend them together and in a, in a lot of ways, actually, you can think of CSR as an extension of all of these. Like, you can have mm. client-side rendered stuff in a server-side application. In fact, it's not uncommon. Um, if you have, like, a really heavy JavaScript component, uh, the ones I'm thinking of, because I've spent quite a bit of time working them, are, like, web-based code editors. Uh, quite often, they don't play nicely with server-side rendering. So it's not uncommon to, like, in your server-side rendered file, say you know if on server don't mount this <laughs> yeah. don't even try and render yeah, it yeah, yeah. and then yeah so they sort of you build the shell 
and then when you ship it to the client, you actually mount that that specific component into the shell, and then it's sort of CSR rendered in its own little bubble. Yeah, because mm. that, that's so, what I yeah. that, that's what I thought when when you sent through um, ISG, that's called um, uh, ISR. 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 Yeah. Uh, when I was reading the the kind of overview on it, I was like. Oh, is this like, you know, you have that shell, that kind of, you know, generated shell of, like, Markdown, and then you have widgets, like you said, that are kind of embedded in the page, and when you happen to actually have to use it, that's when it loads. That's what I thought it was, and I was like, okay, that makes sense to name that pattern, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good point, though. It kind of is a mixture of everything with CSR, like... Yeah, it's, yeah. it certainly can be done on its own, but more often than not, you will actually find it as a sort of a sub-pattern mm. within these other overarching patterns. Um, cool. So that's what they are. Now I want to talk a bit about when to use them. Uh, SSR, for a number of reasons, seems to be becoming the popular strategy. Uh, when you would want to use it is when SEO is a concern. It's much easier for search engines to index pages that are rendered on the server because web crawlers can process them properly. Google isn't has, it like, oh, sorry, you go. Isn't it like impossible to to effectively index uh, and SEO optimize your pages in like a single page app? Because the web crawlers they cannot run your JavaScript for every path. Pretty much, yeah. Mm. Google have done some work into trying to optimize those things, but the sort of TLDR is even with that work it's still not optimal you know mm. you still don't get the same return on investment as you do with something like ssr additional to that um they there are patterns in place so there are a few tools out there i cannot remember what it's called off the top of my head i think it might literally be called like pre-render or pre-renderer uh which is like a tool for literally taking a csr rendering markup and like submitting that markup to your seo as a way to be like this this is a way for us to get around oh. the indexing mm. problem yeah so there, there are solutions out there with the podcast site for example that uses a pre-renderer with Pract. so you can actually access our podcast site with javascript disabled and it works so oh. yeah so it does render all of the files as markup and then mount i don't actually know the ins and outs of it surprisingly even though we're using it uh and then sort of mounts the javascript in there and if JavaScript is enabled, it becomes a single page application. But if it's not, it falls back to, to basically just HTML. Hmm, um, cool. And that, a big part of why I did that was SEO. That was, mm. a, that was a, it wasn't like, I, obviously it's great if we can support listeners who do have JavaScript disabled, although I don't know why they would. Yeah, like it's his... podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but from a, um, from a SEO perspective, huge benefits. To do it, to, to spending the time doing that work, so mm. that was sort of, that was sort of why I invested in that, um, and I'm really happy I did. Uh, so yeah, SSR really good from a performance perspective, really good from an SEO perspective. Usually, the mental model is simpler, and and the reason for that is as you would have experienced before when you've written React, where you have a component. You have a use effect in the component. When the component mounts, it requests some data from an API. You show a loader. You know, you're spinning, you're spinning, you're spinning, and then you show the data. With SSR, you can actually request that data on the server and hydrate the component with it when you send it to them. Mm. So you, you get rid of it. Basically, it's less use effects. Um, and yeah, interesting. Cause... Yeah, and if you've worked with use effects, you know that they can pretty quickly get unwieldy. Because, like, I, um, I, I worked with um, SSR at my last job, and mm -hmm. I kind of didn't really work at the front end much anyway, so I didn't really get it. Well, I guess it's not the front end of SSR, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I didn't really realize, because obviously we were hydrating data, but when, when you say that, I would think there would be, like, you know, crazy response times if you're loading the data on the server. Like, you'd be just waiting on a blank screen, like, no HTML being served to you. Is that an issue, or is like, I don't know? Yes and no. So, uh... I haven't noticed it, so I guess... Yeah, the, so the very first thing to say is, as a general rule, it's better because it's server-to-server, server, not, not user-to-server. Yep. So 
you're always sort of got this guarantee of you're most likely going to be on a fiber connection yep. similar uh as opposed to like 3g yeah uh but there the difference does actually come down to the frameworks so some frameworks are leveraging the react streaming api which basically allows you to like stream react to mm. the client and they're actually able to sort of start to render that sounds the crazy page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no it is yeah start to render the page before everything yeah. is loaded yeah um, that's crazy yeah, yeah so yes you're absolutely right there is a problem there uh, but there's no hard and fast rule because mm. it actually it's actually an implementation detail effectively yeah um, and and comes down to the user but from a mental model perspective something that the community seems to agree on is that as a general rule it is easier because you have less effects so yes. you're managing less state um, which, which yeah. is always nice you know like mm. as a general rule that's something we always want to be doing um, and obviously there are tools like React Query which are a much nicer abstraction than like a use effect or something like that mm. but you're you're still it's it's the same problem you know yeah. you're, you're still requesting that data there you're still using your user's connection you still have to show some sort of loading indicator uh, stuff like that yeah so, like yeah. Uh, and, and, and uh, it's really interesting because uh, lately I've been working a lot with I guess more lower level programming I've got a whole spiel mm. to give you Otis uh, about meshes and how they drive me up the wall but um, <laughs> uh, it's really interesting kind of going from a high level language to more lower level stuff how little hand holding you get and how, you know, high-level language, we're, we're so, you know, spoiled with, oh, I'll just install this library to do it, whatever. But then React comes along with something so hairy like use effects that when you actually implement, like, oh, I just want to request some data on page load, and the amount of boilerplate and, like, complexity that a React use effect brings into your 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 code, it's like, man, what, what year is this? Like, this feels really out of place for some reason. And, I, yeah. I totally agree, yeah. yeah. And I think that has long use effect has long been one of react's problems like it it almost solve it almost creates more problems than it solves yeah and in so react just recently um went live with their new docs and the underlying theme of the new documentation is don't use use effect unless you absolutely have to yeah uh, and they sort of they give a number of examples where they like take some user effect code and show you how to do it properly with like event handlers or something like that and they sort of they're really really stressing like it's it's not the tool you think it is um david k piano gave a great talk called goodbye user effect uh, last year or potentially early this year and uh he actually and i won't go into the whole subject of the talk it's on youtube it's a great talk i'd recommend it but he sort of says what it should really have been called was use synchronize and the intended use case is actually to synchronize your application data with an external service. And the easiest example is local storage. You know, so you have some state, you want to watch when that state changes and persist mm. that change to local storage. That is actually the intended use case, and we have used it completely differently uh, yeah. most of the time. Yeah, it felt like a lot of the time when, you know, we were trying to teach people or at least explain when to use user effects, a lot of the time it was like you had to have a PhD and, and React and, the you know, all the thoughts going behind it to understand mm. that it's a side effect, that's what it means. But, yeah, it just didn't really sit well. And it's cool to see that it's kind of come back around and they've realized, like, yeah, no, we, we fucked up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we've been seeing a lot of that lately, so the react server component i won't i won't go too far into this but it is really interesting so react server components which we've been working on for years um it seems like we finally have a consensus on what those are going to look like uh dan abramov gave a great talk at remix conf a couple of months ago potentially only a month ago about react server components and he wasn't using any sort of meta framework he wasn't using remix he wasn't using next he was just using webpack and react server components and he sort of gave like a really clear breakdown of what problems they were trying to solve and how they were trying to solve them and i think yeah it's really nice i think they have the future of react seems to be less about more features 
and more about improving the existing feature set and making them easier to understand. The other thing he talked about in a keynote, um, not a keynote, sorry, in a panel, that might have been a Remix Conf too, was uh, React Forget, which is a compiler. So m similar to Spelt, React are looking at building a compiler. So you would actually compile your React code down to JavaScript uh, at build time as opposed to like, well, I mean, you compile it anyway because it's JSX. But you would, you would compile it up front and you basically wouldn't have this runtime or you would have less of a runtime. And he was talking about one of the big goals for that project was everything would automatically be memoized. So you wouldn't need to use callback or use memo. Um, and can you imagine how much overhead that, that would remove for j junior developers? I, one yeah. of the constant conversations that I have found I've had with junior developers in my career, or people just not familiar with React, is why is this re-rendering? Mm. It's not memoized. Why do I need to memoize it? Yeah. Why, why can't React figure that out? So, yeah, so it's, it's really promising. I'm actually really excited about the future of React because it's less about what more can we add and more about what can we improve. Um, and I think yes. that's, that's absolutely the right direction. Is my yeah, opinion. yeah. I think from, from the start, even with the whole user effect thing, it felt like they had too many smart people working on React where you, hmm. get, you get these really cool things that, you know, are powerful if you have, you know, studied the ancient text uh, to use your memorization and your side effects and all that sort of stuff. So it's nice that they're taking a step into, um, look, guys, let's just make it, you know, simple, stupid. Yeah, it's because it's really interesting, too, because I don't think I would have liked React because I'd used Vue, loved it, by the way, and that was back in Vue, too. Then I sort of, through a friend, heard about functional programming and went down that whole route and learned about immutability and side effects and things like that. And those concepts are really ingrained into React. So I was lucky because React clicked for me because of that interest. Because you had done the, the study of the exactly. ancient docs. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Whereas... That's not particularly mainstream. No, definitely. And yeah, exactly. So it's it's exactly like you say. Like you have these almost these academics working on it, and this sort of this academic thinking sort of bleeds in and is, is woven through the library. Yeah. And if you have that academic knowledge, which was completely by chance that I had it, it, it does make sense. You yeah, know, like, like it it yeah. does click. But if you don't have that, it just it makes like for example, use effect not the best name. You know, no, like, no. like, like, and as a result, you see all these weird and wacky use cases for it. Whereas potentially, if it had been a bit more explicit, explicit about the intention, even if the intention could be better described as an effect, maybe we could have not, you know, had that problem, and maybe yeah. it wouldn't have happened as much. Effect is so ambiguous as well. Like anything is an effect. Like, come on, you know, I'm, that's why I'm throwing, I'm throwing my, uh, I don't know, I'm throwing my, my cookie password generator and a user effect shout yep, out no, like, yeah, yeah. Agree. exactly yeah agree. you just do whatever in there yeah so and that was the problem right it became the catch all yeah. and we just sort of put everything we didn't know where it, the proverbial chunk drawer of yeah, the yeah. application exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah so that, that was sort of problematic so SSR helps us reduce that complexity uh, yeah it's performant it's got great SS, 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 SEO uh, and, <laughs> I know, man, so many yeah. uses. Um, yeah, yeah. And as a general rule, people seem to think that it's a simple me mental model. I don't want to say it's always going to be, because it's, it's probably not. But uh, as a general rule, it does. It, the, the community does seem to agree that, yes, it makes writing React apps more mm. easy or easier. Mm. Next one is ISR. I don't really want to say much about this. We've already talked about it. It's yeah. really just SSR with caching that's been given its own name uh if you properly set your cache headers on your ssr application you kind of are doing isr um and and that sort of that so there's there's not really much to say all of the same benefits as ssr the drawback is that it's a little bit less dynamic the additional pro is i guess that it's a bit cheaper and and that sort of it ssg this one's quite different so your pros here are again SEO, uh, speed, uh, SSG sort of boasts being the fastest 
and the reason for that is it's all pre-built, right? There's no build step. You you serve the files to the user as is. There's, <coughs> there's no server task. There's very little client work done. Obviously, you can have widgets and things in there, and, and they sort of do their own thing. Uh, and the big con is that it's uh, inherently static and requires a build when you want to make an update. Typical use cases, blogs, documentation, etc. Um, that's sort of where that fits in. And then client side rendered. This is this has tons of nuance to it. Uh, draw. We'll go with drawbacks first because there's, there's quite a few. Uh, it's expensive in terms of the user's device and their data. Uh, it's got very poor SEO. Your time to first paint can quite often be horrific. Uh, and more often than not, you will have lots and lots of loaders on the screen at any given time, and sort of <laughs> bits will popcorn in as as the page loads, uh, which can be horrendous as a user. Uh, that's all the bad, but there is definitely good. Uh, one of the the first and foremost thing with uh, CSR is once you've got through that pain, it's usually very very snappy because everything is running on the user's device. It is, um, people have said that it's app-like, you know, as in it's, it's instant, it's all there, because basically it's populated, the data's done. You still will have things like API requests for data going out, um, you still have loaders, but the, the app will be fast. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no page refreshes. Now, this is a quite niche thing to be aware of, but you absolutely have certain applications that are going to take advantage of this. The most recent one I worked on was the podcast site because I wanted to keep the player going as you transition between pages. If I was using a server rendered um, an SSR application with, with you know classic server rendering, every time you clicked a link and went to a new page, the podcast player would stop. You'd have to reload it. They'd have to click play again. Uh, and don't even get me started on trying to automatically start audio on page load. The browser does not want you to do that. <laughs> and, and, and rightly so. You know, yeah. like, rightly so. That's horrendous for the user. <laughs> so, hey, what's up, guys? Like, oh, as soon man. as you click the page, some bullshit yeah. ad, yeah. Nothing worse. No, so yeah. I'm, I'm all for the browser getting rid of that, 100%. Uh, it's just, it's another thing you have to sort of think about. Mm. So, and and there are more, right? There are, there are multiple apps where you might not want to change on page load. Games, um, things like that. Uh, that's where SSR really shines. The other area SSR really shines is internal dashboards, uh, because you don't care about SEO. You know, so you mean um, you mean CSR? Sorry, your yeah, CSR. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, as internal dashboards because you you don't care about SEO, uh, and you also don't care about the first load being particularly slow because it's your company that are using it, and the beauty of SSR of, of CSR is that your client and your API, if you have one, and you usually do, are completely independent. So CSR appears really nicely where you might have like a website and a mobile app, right? And you have this API that sits behind both of them and they both sort of consume the API in similar ways, but they're effectively different rendering targets. That's, that's a, somewhere um, that CSR really shines. Whereas if you were using like a server-side rendering technique, you, you, you might, you, well, you would still interact with that API on the server and then feed it to the page. But I guess it's like, it's just another layer. Uh, so yeah, so it's quite often I find that CSR is really good for those niche cases where you can't afford page reloads, uh, internal applications where you don't care about SEO. And I guess where you need app-like responsiveness and you can eat that initial page load, which you often can't, by the way. Like, you, you, that's, like that is a lot to put on your user and you mm. need to really understand what you're doing. Pre-rendering, like, like I did with the podcast site, can help alleviate that problem in the sense that when you hit the podcast site, you are delivered static markup straight away and then it goes through that hydration step, and that is sort of all client-side again. But it is it can still be a bit janky because if you are on a really slow connection, you can actually end up with that markup, and then you go to interact with it, and it's not interactive yet because mm-hmm. it's still hydrating. So 
with all things, pros and cons, right? And it's it's really important to be acutely aware. Yeah. The, the, the one thing I really like about um, this is, is CSR or SPA um, is, as you mentioned, it's very app-like in, in nature because you're kind of just downloading all the code to, mm. to their, their device. Um, and I really like... Well, I think it was, you know, like three or four years ago, probably when you mentioned SPAs were all, all the rage... Uh, I feel like at the time, everyone was trying to unify code bases and mm. experiences. So, like, you know, React Native was, was huge and, and kind of up and coming. And I really, really liked the whole um, SPA being able to download as, like, a PWA. And yes. that is the best, like, it's, it's so nice to be able to write your web app and then also have it as an app app if you do, you know, a little bit of additional configuration. Um, that was actually a use case I hadn't thought about, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, because that's primarily what I use it for, is for my apps to be, yeah, downloadable for users to, you know, yep. have on their own. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. That is that is actually, I can't believe I missed that. Mm-hmm. That is 100% another application of a CSR, and a really good application of a CSR. Mm. That's pros and cons. The one other thing I want to talk about quickly, just as like a footnote, is you can alleviate some of the CSR pain with lazy loading, so requesting modules on demand. However, if you talk to almost any developer who's used lazy loading, there's a lot of pain that usually comes along with it. Uh, I think that is getting better. I was actually having a read of the React Lazy, which is from, like, it's, it's in the React docs, it's from React. Uh, their lazy loading technique and it sort of has come a long way and looks really trivial to use now so it's probably something I should reinvest some time in and and sort of have a play with but historically lazy loading was quite painful you know there would be various things that would go wrong I think with ESM and sort of the idea of modules in the browser becoming more and more prevalent that's absolutely going to become a pattern we buy back into and is probably going to become really well supported so Definitely something to think about. Not really the subject of this talk, but just something I wanted to bring up and sort of for for your own, like, you know, investigation or whatever you want to say in your own time. Like, it's a it's a powerful tool that, that people can definitely look into should they want to. Frameworks that optimize for it uh, or for, for a particular rendering technique. So there's a reason I want to talk about this. And the reason I want to talk about is actually the next point, frameworks that optimize for multiple techniques. And the big player in that space is Next.js. And I will get to that soon, but I'll just really quickly riff off the the sort of frameworks that are optimized for one. Uh, I'm going to be talking primarily in the React space because that's the space I know. I am acutely aware of things like SvelteKit, um, Nuxt, uh, SolidStart, uh, which are all meta frameworks for other UI libraries and are all doing really well and, and do have their, their own techniques and their preferences and, and things like that. I'm not going to be covering those today because I don't know enough to talk about them and it w- I wouldn't do them justice. So in terms of frameworks that optimize for SSR, the big player is probably Remix. That would be they are strident about being server-side rendered only um, and believe that caching is the answer to uh, things like ISR and things like that, or even SSG. Uh, they actually have a blog post where they say, if you want SSG, just use Remix with a 24-hour cache. You know, like, like that's I, it. I, yeah, I guess the yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so they're, they're, they are stridently in the SSR-only camp, and that's the way they always want to be. Uh, they actually are a bit hybrid, and I'm going to talk about that because it's, yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting. I, I kind of like that, that viewpoint because it's the whole, like, you know, if you um, if you have a hammy, everything looks like a nail. They're just like, yeah, just to change the caching time and strategy, and you'll get one of the acronyms, and you can yeah, do it. Yeah, but the thing is, though, what I love about Remix is because they have so aggressively committed to this one model, it is so easy to reason mm, about. Yeah, because like, because there's only one way to do things. Yeah, sometimes people need to just do that to like, you yeah. know, tell you how it's done and say, absolutely, you know, fuck you that- if you want to do it the other way. <laughs> Further and further I get into my developer career, the more and more I love tiny API surface. Yeah. You know, like just let me do two or three things, but let, let them be really easy and let me do them really well. 
and, it's like, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, and that makes so much sense because I think a reoccurring conversation we always have is how much we fucking hate AWS. <laughs> and now it's like, it, it surfaces so wide that it paralyzes you. You're just like, yes. man, there's too much to be able to do. And, and what do we say? We see numerous products that are really just an interface over AWS that let you do one thing well really and easily. Well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, next to SSR, Astro for uh, SSG, I would say. Astro absolutely do have an SSR, uh, I think they call it an adapter, which you can use to sort of dynamically render content. But the Astro team, like this isn't me saying this, this is what the Astro team have said. They are absolutely optimizing for static sites and in particular content heavy sites. So with Astro 2.0, they introduced something called content collections, which are basically a way to type your markdown. Um, as in, this is all of the things that this particular markdown document needs in order to be valid for it to be consumed as part of this collection. So you can describe what a blog post would look like. You can describe what a newsletter would look like. You can describe what a documentation page would look like and you can enforce that. And no one else is really doing that, right? So they're really in the, the content, specifically static content space. And that is absolutely the space they are optimizing for. And, and it's not like, again, like it's not me saying that it's, it's them saying that despite the fact that they do support some other rendering techniques. Mm. Yep, and then uh, I don't know what frameworks optimize for ISR. I don't know if any do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then SS, uh, sorry, CSR. <coughs> I, 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 it's not really a framework, but I guess the tool that optimizes for it is Vite. In the sense that, like, that's what you build with Vite. Is uh, is CS like by default, right? Like, if you go, you know, NPX Vite at latest React you're going to be shipping a client-side rendered app, right? Mm. Now, almost every modern meta framework is using Vite under the hood to do their compilings, like Astro's using them, Remix is using them, Next won't be using it, it'll be using TurboPack, the, the Webpack killer, um, which we've talked about before, uh, which I have some problems with. Uh, but Webpack killer. I like that. Are they like? Is that self named or is that like oh, yes, the community? That, at, <laughs> That's at the even better. That's so good. They said that, and people got very upset. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> that's funny though. They've got balls. That's that's uh yeah. I'd stay yeah. with them over there. <laughs> yeah, that is. Anyway, I'll 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 see if I can find them and potentially link them in the show notes. There were a few tweets from various framework authors benchmarking. Tools that yeah, yeah, um, that uh, were quite entertaining. So I mm. will, I will see if I can find those and potentially link them. <laughs> um, yeah, so so that sort of, if you want to optimize for a particular technique, there's some sort of some guidance and some pointers into what frameworks are aimed at. What that is 100% the React space. If you're working with Svelte, I would recommend looking into Svelte. If you're working with Solid, look into Solid. View, look into Nuxt. You know, like, do your own research, essentially, mm. uh, because I'm absolutely not well-versed in those areas. Now we're talking about frameworks that optimize for multiple, and the only real player in that space is Next, right? Um, so Next have, for a long time, put a heavy emphasis on client-side rendering and, like, encouraged client-side rendering. They support SSG. They support SSR and with Next 13 they've just put server actions into alpha status, potentially beta status, which look a lot like, uh, they actually look like somewhere in between Remix actions and loaders and the React server stuff. They are obviously modeled on React server. Um, Next has been, well Vercel has been very involved with the React server components implementation but because it's a framework they've also sort of borrowed some patterns from remix at the moment the implementation looks a little bit wonky but i think that is just because it's alpha 
I, mm. I do I do genuinely believe that over the next few months we will just see those sort of level out and become a bit more idiomatic. Um, what do I like about that uh, in, in general? What do I like about Next in general? Uh, you've got tons of options, right? If you want the documentation section of your website to be SSG, you can do that. If you want the uh, landing page section of your website with some dynamic statistics on it to be SSR, it can be. Uh, if you want your internal dashboard, we're assuming this is all one application, which you probably wouldn't do, you know, to be uh, CSR, it can be. You know, like you, you can pick and choose what pattern you want, when you want it, and you can incrementally migrate. Those are all really valuable things to have access to. Like that's, that is, if you were working on a large commercial application, that comes with definite peace of mind. Uh, not having to think, oh, you know, when they release this, all of this work we've done becomes, you know, useless yep. or will no longer be usable. That, you know, they're committed to bringing the whole family with them, essentially, you know, yeah. all these techniques and, and, and making sure you have all the options as a developer. I absolutely admire that. I think that's great. Hmm. Where I take issue with it, and there is no way to avoid this problem, by the way, where I take issue with it is it is never clear how to do one thing because you have so many options. Yeah. And that's sort of the pain, right? Is, yeah. yeah. And it can be difficult, to be fair, I actually think they're pretty good, but it can be difficult to sort of rummage your way through and sort of move between the abstractions, I guess. Like sometimes things cannot be exactly clear. Be word. Yeah, and like I wonder maybe as you know, front end kind of and rendering techniques in general kind of evolves, maybe in ten years there'll be a hundred different techniques that next is the big player that ships them all. And then you just have AWS again where it's like, Man, it, you have so many things and ways to do something that it makes no sense. Exactly. And that's really challenging, right? And what I would like to see, because I actually have a lot of love for Next. I've built quite a few things with Next, and I, I think it's great. And like, it's, it's a standard, so it's certainly not hard to hire for. You know, like pe mm. people know Next, so it's definitely not challenging to hire for. What I would like to see from Next is some sort of system that allows you to strip out the parts you aren't interested in. You know, and I know that's not easy. Mm. I know as a developer, it's so easy to say and so hard to get right. Um, but that would be really nice. Like if I could say, I have no need for CSR, but I am interested in SSR and SSG, and I want to render my docs with SSG, and I want the rest of the site to be SSR, that would be nice, you know? Yeah, that's really interesting, because I haven't really looked into Next.js much or used it at all. Um, but it does. Uh, the way you describe it to me sounds like they group everything by concepts and then sh tell you, hey, you want to do this, here's how you could do it in any of our four, you know, techniques. Instead of doing it the other way around where you group everything by technique and how to do concepts are in them, you know what I mean? Like, you, you'd click on your SSR and then everything in your SSR docs would be how it's done SSR ways. But instead of yeah, like, oh, no, you, you want to yeah. Yeah, render no, like a, a chart? Oh, well, here's how you could do it in four different ways. Yeah, no, it's it's more like you, as the developer, need to know that you're buying into that technique. Mm. Almost, if that makes sense. It's almost like you need to make the conscious decision up front, this page is going to be SSR, and then you know what to look for. Oh, okay, okay. So it's there, but you, you have to yeah, know every everything about Next and the techniques that it ships to be yeah, able to decipher the docs. Yeah, and part of that's intentional, right? Like, they, they wanted to blur the lines. Yeah, so like you it, have to know it all a bit. Yeah, because, it, like, it, when they were smaller, when the project was smaller, it felt great when it was like, here I can define, you know, get server-side props, and here on the client... I can just use them. They're just mm. there. Mm. You know, like my server data is just available to me. Um, and, and it was a really intentional decision to, to blur those lines. The problem is, now that there are so many different techniques and you don't necessarily understand 
the drawbacks of what you're buying into and they're not explicit mm. about telling you what you're buying into that's where it becomes difficult uh, okay that makes sense yeah hmm so yeah it would almost and i think svelte kit may have this they um they actually have like a in your route i think you define you like export cons server equals true or something like export oh, okay. cons render equals you know the string server yeah and and that says this component will be rendered in this space um and and i think that's quite nice right yeah like that's super explicit it's opt inverse um, like yeah, well, yeah, almost yeah. Inverse, yeah instead of blurring the lines we're gonna really explicitly ask you to tell us where you Which want way, this to be yeah built. yeah yeah so and i don't know if that's exactly right like i said minimal spell kit knowledge but i am aware that there is something like that even if i you know describe the implementation slightly wrong um so yeah I, th I i think there's nothing wrong with next i think it's next 13 man like there's been 13 versions i think that's the subject like that's what happens when you have a project that grows and grows and grows over time it's and they do a fantastic job of keeping that project modern and keeping it feeling nice it's just my like personal experience as what initially feels really pleasant and feels like i don't really have to think about down the line is something i have to think about more than somewhere else because yeah. of how blurred those lines are yeah mm. cool and then we have this hybrid model which i wanted to really quickly touch on because it's only something i've just recently wrapped my head around and it's very new in the space and this is something remix are doing where they the apps are all ssr and provided you don't write client-only JavaScript, will all work with JavaScript disabled. However, if JavaScript is enabled, when Remix hydrates, it delivers something to the client called a manifest, which the server and the client both have knowledge of, and then it basically becomes a client-side rendered app and when you navigate between routes, it only requests the data from the server, not the markup. That's cool. Yeah, so it's, it's quite complicated, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And, and the docs, like, I've, I've read the docs a couple of times now, and I'm still not 100% on it. <laughs> they, they basically have this client-side router that will only instantiate if JavaScript is enabled. Mm. And then if it is enabled, it... The server and the client have this really in-depth understanding of each other. Like, they they absolutely know about each other. <laughs> and they know what they can ask of each other, almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All I'm imagining is this, this server computer and this, like, web browser passionately making out like it's all i mean you're just like they intimately know each other they're in there man um and, and it's cool like, yeah it's really cool and in the docs they just like like they, they it's like a really quick nod to it they're like because remix uh is you know ssr and csr and we control the whole process it allows us to do some really interesting things and like that's it like that's all they say about it no. <laughs> Yeah, and then they sort of go in and they, they talk a little bit about the manifest and stuff and, like, the technical detail. But, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. Like, by bringing it all under one roof... And Remix is highly opinionated. Don't get me wrong. Like, you you are subject to the limitations... or Not the limitations, to the conventions they've put in place. But when you adhere to those conventions and you let the framework control the whole process... It's it's wild. Like it's I I don't know how it is done. I would love to dig into the implementation. Like yeah, it's all that they like. You know, draw a nod. Like yeah, yeah. This you know this crazy client server. You know, multiple path kind of rendering technique. Yeah, we don't really care. But you know, all this web browser optimization we've done. All you know, hot off the press is crazy. It's like they. I don't get it. <laughs> Why is that interesting? And they don't think this. You know, other you know marvel of a creation is, is boring yeah because it's like it's amazing man like it's like all web they talk about gets, is like web standards parallelism yeah. all that and like don't get me wrong that's cool but we're all like everybody's yeah. doing that everybody's trying to improve that implementation yeah and, that's, and it's like, boring that's boring stuff as well to me at least like that is i, I hate optimization it's 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 actually the most boring 
you're not creating yeah, like, anymore you're refining and it's like i hate refining and, yeah um, and like with the meta framework i'm assuming that they're trying to be highly optimized you know, yeah like yeah. i don't i don't go to my framework and go do you guys care about optimization yeah like, yeah, I yeah, they yeah. Do. exactly you know? yeah yeah so i don't really need them to tell me about it mm. whereas like they have this innovative technique that that really only they're doing them and some of these other frameworks again like spout and stuff maybe doing it and i don't know mm. but like they have this really innovative technique that they're buying into and remix does do something like uh, not remix next does do something like this with their hydration but i it, from what i understand it's a bit different and i i yeah it, it's it's not as it certainly doesn't feel as fast as this um yeah and they have this really really cool innovative piece of tech and it's kind of buried in their docs. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as in like, and I, I suppose it is an implementation detail, like you don't need to care about it, but like, I want to know more yeah, about it. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah, like, I, I mean, you're, whatever you're doing in your framework to optimize my shit, like, I don't really need to know about it either, but they're papping to write 10 page articles on, you know, how they're shipping, you know, your pixels better or something. I don't know. And yeah, it, it, and it is. It is like that. Like most of what comes out of their blog is, is performance based. And it's like, it's cool to know they care so much because obviously yeah. you, want, you want to be performant. But I would just, I'd love to see like more deep dives into like, like this is what makes us different. You know, like yeah. this is. I, yeah, I think yeah. that's what I enjoy way more of those like, yeah, innovative like look what we built to solve some crazy niche problem and it's like wow that's like um you told me about that one with the whole um man i'm not gonna do it justice the where you kind of like copy a running container but that that one thing you told me about how you read that full like that stuff is really interesting to read about not the you know how i'm optimizing your browser like and this is a cool like cool like new thing that you've optimized for that's never been done before and how you use it you know cool tricks and and all that but i'll definitely link that article in the show notes that was from code sandbox and that was yeah how they cloned running they weren't docker they were firecracker but it's essentially the same thing how they essentially cloned running docker containers including the memory so like you could have a node process running and they could fork it and keep the process running so it was like it was and like they the article starts out as in like we needed to achieve two second clone times and like they go like this is what we did to get it to 14 seconds this is what we did to get it to eight seconds six five four and it's just it's the most exquisite piece of engineering (laughs) that i have read about in a long long time (laughs) my my favorite thing because with all those sorts of problems they always like you know when they're writing like a a report or you know post about how, how they did it it always starts off with like you know, at first you just have to really think that a helicopter is a door. You know, it always like has those those sorts of memes where like they've rethought a problem to be able to come up with this crazy innovative solution to it um, by just yet yeah, kind of changing their perspective. And it, it reminds me of that, that meme you sent me with the whole um, the the oh the, the game dev yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A but, like at the start of game dev a helicopter's a vehicle at the end of game dev a helicopter's really just an advanced door <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah that's exactly what like i feel like all those blog posts start with is like they have to shift your mindset to for you to actually get why they did something but um yeah it's crazy cool yeah no so i i totally agree that so yeah that the secret source i guess mm. is what i would like to read more about and i yeah. i have every intention of doing a deep dive like into the code to actually understand how that works because i'm yeah. really really intrigued by it Mm-mm. cool last thing i want to talk about and well the last two things were deployment and costing and va isolates we're not going to have time to talk about maintainability today and there's not really a need va um, isolates v8 isolates sounds like when you first said it i thought cars because v8 and then mm. isolates make me think like whey protein i know that's that, that like, exactly yeah. the same thing that comes to yeah, my mind yeah. every time i read it yeah, yeah. So, deployment and costing uh, from sort of cheapest to most expensive. Cheapest is always going to be client-side rendered and SSG because you don't need a server. You can put it in an S3 bucket. You can put it on Netlify. You can throw it up on Vercel. Uh, it's going to be cheapest chips because there is no runtime cost other than sending it over the network. Um, so, very, very cheap. Uh, the more expensive ones are going to be things like ISR and SSR, which do require a server. 
You can have traditional long-running servers. A really good service for those is Fly.io, but there are there are numerous servers you can run a long-running server on, uh, and the cost is going to be the cost of running the server. Um, you do some of these uh, sites do have things like Lambda support, so you might be able to they sort of you ship your site, and then every time it needs to server render a page, it's effectively a Lambda that runs, renders the page and sends it to the user. Uh, so that sort of comes down to various platforms. Uh, a lot of platforms are just like an abstraction over that. Uh, that can be one technique. And then the last technique and the one I really want to talk about is yeah, V8 isolates, uh, which are things like Dino Run uh, and Cloudflare Workers. And your meta framework has to support V8 isolates in order for you to be able to run in them. And the reason they are different is a V8 isolate isn't Node. Okay, so it's it's not a Node.js runtime and it has it has most of the APIs you're used to, but it doesn't have all of them. The most noticeable ones that people get hurt by is you do not have access to the file system APIs. Uh, so typically a lot of like Node.js apps won't run the V8 isolate, but certain frameworks the one i've been working with obviously lately the theme has certainly come through in this talk is uh, remix i think astro have support for this as well uh, they are built to run in a in that sort of runtime so they can run in a v8 isolate they also can run in things like bun um, and other javascript runtimes so that's really important to think about they typically it's a lot more like the browser runtime is a good way of thinking about it. Mm. So it's almost like having your browser on the server and you have the same restrictions. The reason these things are really powerful is because they don't have cold starts. So anyone who's worked with lambdas a lot will know that your, you know, if your service hasn't been hit in a while and it gets hit that first hit can take ages and that's what's referred to as a cold start which is basically like a docker vm coming up for the first time or a, or a server coming up for the first time that for whatever reason and i don't understand how they're able to do this you'd have to sort of look at um ryan dell the guy behind dino he, he's sort of in depth to explain the stuff in a number of blog posts you'd sort of want to go there but yeah basically that cold start problem is completely gone and these sort of runtimes. So, mm. yeah, there's a lot of value to picking a framework, even if you, because anything that will run the V8 isolate is almost certainly going to run on a node server, right? Mm, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it's not like you're cutting yourself off from long running servers, but you're opening yourself up to, to faster runtimes. So, it's definitely, if you have the option, it's definitely worth considering picking a framework that supports V8 isolates. And the other thing to know about V8 isolates is they're typically really cheap, right? So at the moment at work, we're leveraging Cloudflare workers and they're very, very cheap. And that is obviously fantastic, right? Like they, you can, they can effectively infinitely scale. Um, it's Cloudflare doing that for us. We're not doing it. Uh, they're running a Remix application and they are really, really cheap for us to run. So alongside getting around a few technical issues there's actually a huge cost incentive to being able to leverage this kind of technology cool that's everything from me i realized i talked a lot this time uh, <laughs> i didn't mean to um no nah, it's uh, I, I noticed more and more um i think i was talking to my, my family about it the other day how um i i'm much less interested in like they really like I don't know what it is. It's not... Like, I mean, I, I like the idea of mastery of certain things, but definitely not to the point of, like, you know, where you become specialized kind of mastery. I like mm. having, like, a good level of knowledge in a lot of different things. So stuff like this kind of... Yeah, I, I don't look into much. So mm. that's why before yeah. I was like, oh, um, I don't know how much I can add to this, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting nonetheless. From my perspective, it's great having someone to talk to. Like, mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it makes I, I it think... much easier conversation yeah i think it's actually a good dynamic as well with the whole um 
it's almost like the you're, you're explaining or talking about topic, and then I'm the the user or not the, the listener who is learning about this for the first time and re-summarizing and how I'm understanding it, and then mm. you know, going from there. It's quite a good. Um, I like the format. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, thanks for hopping on. No worries. And yeah, I'll I'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Runtime FM. Look, things in tech and web development move, to say the least, fast. On this show, we keep you up to date with a blazing speed of tech. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at runtime.fm. See you next time.